everyone. I'm Ari Meglin here with Rachel Poley and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. We are on episode 119 and this week's question is, how do you plan a series? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you do enjoy our episode, please do give it a like, write a review and share it with friends. Now, please help us welcome author Helen Shoira to the show. Helen, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you on the podcast and it's awesome to meet you. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, thank you so much. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your writing background, like how long you've been writing and all that fun stuff? Yeah, sure. So I am a fantasy author. I've been writing full-time for about four and a half years now. I've been writing since I was a little kid, really. And I loved it so much that I went on to do a degree in creative writing and a master's of publishing. So it's really sort of shaped my whole life. But yeah, just been been doing the, the full-time writing for about four and a half years and just plodding along, really. That is great. I didn't actually realise it's like a master's in publishing. That I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, that was at uh, University of Sydney back in Australia. Um, and I think I actually preferred that to my creative writing degree because it was very extensive in that it it sort of broke down all the different elements of book production, went into all different types of publishing, went into the business side of things. It was really interesting. I really enjoyed that. Oh, that sounds so much better, actually, because I've, I've actually flip-flopped about going back to school for something like that, but I never knew what to go for because I have a degree in creative writing as well, but a lot of the courses I took, it, it wasn't necessarily writing. It was just like, here, read this book and let's analyze it. And I'm like, this isn't really what I'm looking for. Yeah, my uh, creative writing degree was was quite similar. I mean, they had like sort of core modules where very similar. You'd read like a classic and you'd break it down. But we did go into like short stories, script writing, poetry, and then you sort of specialised in fiction or script or whatever. But it was it was quite limited in that that didn't really explore anything other than traditional publishing. And it also was quite limited in terms of the genres explored. So it was really just literary fiction and classic literature, no commercial fiction, which is baffling to me. So yeah, it was... I mean, it was very interesting, but yeah, didn't, didn't explore to the extent that I wanted to explore, I think. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Okay, so you write series, you have a few series, and I believe you're writing a new one. So mm -hmm. how can an author prepare for writing a series over a standalone book? So in terms of a series, first, I would sort of preface it by saying when I, when we're talking about preparing, I don't necessarily mean outlining because I know everybody has a very different way of working. So when when we're talking about preparing to, to write a series or, or even a standalone, I'm not talking about outlining. I'm talking about all the work that happens before you even do that. So the main one I would talk about is the market research, which is something that I think newer authors and myself included when, when I was writing my first series, I just sort of wrote it for the love of it. And, you know, I was I was a reader of, of fantasy series and I just dove straight into to writing a, a series. And I didn't really think about things like comparative titles, categories, keywords. And, you know, if you want to have a career as an indie author or even a traditionally published author, those are sort of things that you should really start to think about before. Things like tropes, reader expectations, because when you're writing a series, you want to be able to meet those, those expectations. So preparing to write a series, I would suggest 
doing your market research beforehand, which by that, I mean, coming up with your comparative titles. So the titles that you imagined your book on a bookstore shelf, the titles that would sit alongside it, coming up with say like 10 of those, reading them, reading the whole series in each of those, just so you get a better grasp on reader expectations, where your book might sit in the market and how to meet those expectations. Another thing in order to prepare for writing a series, I would say would be deciding on the series type. So I've got my nonfiction book, which is how to write a successful series. And in that, I discuss two types of series, and that is a static series or an episodic series or a dynamic series. And a dynamic series, I think, is the one we mainly think of, which is where the story unfolds across multiple books, multiple plot points, multiple characters coming across the whole series. And you couldn't necessarily start reading the series at book one. You have to start at book, uh, sorry, at book three. Obviously, you start at book one. Yeah, so you couldn't necessarily start reading the series mid-series. You have to start at the beginning, whereas a static series, you could potentially start at book four and dip in and out of the series because that is where each book is sort of self-contained. Like take a crime series, for example. Each book within that series might be a different case and that you might have the same detective across the whole series, but you have a different case and each book is one case that is resolved. And so you could potentially dip in and out. Yeah, so I would suggest deciding on your series type and understanding the sort of structure of that type of series before you then attempt to outline or write or however you approach that. I would also have a have an idea of what your series arc is, so the overall story of the series, and then also your individual book arcs as well. And then, yeah, the, the other thing I would just suggest is make sure you're reading series and that you're watching a lot of series because you, you gain a lot of knowledge and ideas from sort of doing that creative input and understanding what makes a series work, what makes you as the viewer or the reader want to keep watching and reading and have that sort of binge-worthy addictive feeling. Wow. I mean, like I, I've heard compar uh, comparative titles and things like that. It never dawned on me to think about that before <laughs> writing a series. And I'm probably too far in now to have done that too early. But it's interesting with how you said like the different types of series, because I am definitely writing a dynamic and I never really considered it when I started writing. I didn't think, yeah, this is how it was. But like you said, I most of the books I was reading at the time, looking back, that's what they were. It wasn't the kind of episodic, like Sherlock Holmes style where exactly. it's like each individual yeah. story. And I, I know that because one of the series is I'd found one of the books and it had no number on it. So I read halfway through and it kept referencing things. And I'm like, I have no idea what it's talking about. And then I realized it was like book six in a 10 book series. And I had to go right back to the beginning because so much was explained that I didn't understand. And I assume that that's why when I was writing my series, I automatically got into the habit of writing like a series that would just go along and there mm -hmm. wasn't this kind of jump in and out sort of thing. But again, it's like it is a good a good point to think of that before you actually start writing. So you have all that information and then you can figure out the best way of writing and, and where you're going with it. Yeah, I feel absolutely. Like I just stumbles into all that by mistake. <laughs> well, I think I think that that's sort of natural. I think whatever you're writing, you probably read a lot in that genre anyway. And so you you potentially just naturally fall into writing one type of series or the other. But, you know, I think potentially as you get through your your career, you, it becomes more intentional. And you, you start to understand the form in a, in a much deeper way. And I suppose like that's, that's what I've done throughout my career. So 
the the first series I ever wrote, uh, it wasn't as intentional as the second series has been. And that series has not been as intentional as the third one that I'm currently starting. And it, and it's just sort of the, the process that you go through, the lessons that you learn. But it, it, it definitely helps having someone say, oh, maybe think about this before you start this. Or maybe maybe think about your comp titles or, or the popular tropes that, are, that everyone's loving in this genre and all of that. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned, I mean, it's funny, Ari's mentioning that she writes a dynamic series. I'm a static series because I do write cozy mystery. So each one of my books is a different case, but it's the same group of characters. But there is this overarching plot and story to the entire series. But with the market research, that's something that I need to think about because as you just mentioned, you need to think about the tropes that everybody loves and why people read that genre and things like that, because I classify my series as a cozy mystery, but there's no animal companion on the cover. The title isn't a pun. There's no recipes in the back of the book. Like I, I'm missing those certain elements. And it's something that I don't think people realize how important market research is. And uh, I, I didn't either when I first started my series, but the more that I write it and the more I read in that genre, you start to put the pieces together and you realize, oh, maybe I'm doing something a little differently that I shouldn't be, or maybe, you know, I'm kind of thinking outside the box and that's a good thing. And it's, it's a lot of prep work and thinking in general. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But like you said, it, it's 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 part of the the process as you get deeper into your career. It is a learning curve, and I, I guess it also depends on the individual author's goal. Like if if it's your goal to be a full time author and have a, a long term career in this industry, then I think you need to rely a lot more on your market research than you would if it was just a hobby or if you did your writing and publishing alongside another career. So it, it really depends on each individual person. Yeah, I like the fact you said like to read and watch series as well, because I have seen it in the writing community where people have actually advised younger writers don't read too much and don't watch too much because you'll be influenced where I've never really felt that. I don't feel like if you read or watch something, you'll automatically put, it, put be putting all these elements into your own stories. I do find it more inspiring and it kind of gives you your brain a little bit of time to run over your own ideas and as you say pull out tropes and things and what you watch series and books and read books that you really love and then you start analyzing it as a writer like why did I really like that chapter what kept me reading why did I pick the rest of the books up and yeah I have seen that kind of advice being passed on and I never did understand why that was the case that's really strange I've um I've I've heard like one or two people worry about accidentally plagiarizing because of that but it seems a very strange piece of advice to me to tell writers not to to read not to not to have creative input from other forms because like what are you just going to go through your life not reading or watching anything then it just seems very strange to me I think reading watching any any sort of series or stories is all inspiration is all creative input and like you said it sort of lights up that spark in your own mind to get your own ideas so yeah that's very odd advice to me <laughs> well that's the thing how else are you going to learn if you don't see what other people are doing and you know looking at the mistakes that they made and how they overcame it like how are you supposed to make your own mistakes and learn from them and all that stuff so with that said what are some common errors that authors make when they write a series so that's a really good question and uh i've got i've got a couple so the, the first one, I think, can be applicable to series and just 
your first book in general, I think there is a tendency for new authors to put every idea they've ever had into that first book. And that results in a very chunky, messy combination of, of everything. And I think I think I, un- I understand the, the temptation to do that because you get excited. But particularly with series, like you've got multiple books to put all your ideas throughout. And I mean, if this is the, the career path you want to go down, you have an endless number of books to, to put your ideas into. So I think putting all your ideas into one book is definitely a common error that I see. So I would sort of suggest to people who are getting a bit overexcited and wanting to put every plot idea, every character, every trope they've ever read into that one book just to you know calm down take a step back and also sort of interrogate why you are putting certain things into that book because you might find that a certain idea might suit the third book in the series better than in the first or it might come off stronger in the second or third book than it does in the first because the beauty of a series is that you have these multiple books to layer in different storylines to build up that character development to build up the richness of your world and certain ideas, if you put them in the first book, they don't really reach their potential. So I would suggest sort of interrogating why you are putting certain plot points or certain characters in that first book. Do they actually belong there or do they belong later on in the series? Another one that I see quite often and also a mistake that I've made myself earlier on in my career is falling prey to that middle book syndrome, which is where it's like everybody says, oh, you know, the sequel wasn't as good as the first one. That's usually because that second or third book, wherever it sits in the series, it doesn't have its own complete story arc. While it fits in the overall series arc, it might not have the certain um, points in that book that satisfy the reader. If you were going off the the three-act structure, you know, having an inciting incident, a midpoint, a climax, and having a resolution at the end. So that's something that I definitely did earlier on in my career. And I ended up having a very lengthy discussion with one of my beta readers where we sort of broke down why the book wasn't working. And it was because it didn't have its own arc. While it fit really nicely into the whole series, it didn't have that sort of satisfying resolution at the end before then hooking into the next book. It just sort of was, I guess, what people would call a filler book. So yeah, that's another another mistake uh, that, that I see. And then I guess finally, writing a series is such a, a huge task. And I think some authors, particularly newer authors, get a little bit overwhelmed and start to feel a bit defeated at the prospect of having to write three, four, five books and then potentially either stalling on their progress or giving up completely. So that that's a real shame because while writing a series is a huge task, writing a single book is a huge task, let alone, you know, two, three, four, however many you want in a series. It is absolutely doable. And I think the key there is to break it down into much smaller tasks rather than sitting down and thinking, right, I'm going to plan, you know, a nine book series, sit down and start building your world, start with your map or start with your main character and and go from there. And I mean, that's how it's worked for me with all my series. I sit down and it, it is very much a layer by layer process. It's a brick by brick. It doesn't all happen at once. And it's, it takes a long time to get to the point where you actually have three, four books in a series. I feel incredibly called out right now because I, (laughs) that's exactly what I do. My ideas stretch so far. And there are some times where I just get stuck in whatever book I'm writing that 
I start thinking of the overall picture because my mystery series, I have quite a few books planned for that because I have so many ideas. So I decide, oh, I'll get motivated if I think of the overall picture. So then I start planning all the books and I think ahead into the future. And then because of that, I put so much on my plate and then I see all the stuff that I'm going to have to do eventually if it works out. And then I get overwhelmed and then I just stop and I end up taking a a break from my manuscript for months at a time. So I like the idea of breaking it down into smaller chunks because that's what that's what I do with my to-do list. I think of things I want to get done for the month and then I break it up into weekly tasks and I break those tasks into daily tasks and so on. And you got to do the same thing with your books. Yeah, absolutely. And breaking it down into tasks like that also then allows you to have a sense of achievement on a more regular basis. Like if your if your goal is to write a series, you're not going to achieve that for for months, potentially years. Whereas if your goal is to create my map, spend an hour on my main character development, um, write the first chapter, you can tick those off and you get a sense of gratification throughout the entire process rather than waiting three years until you've written your nine books or how, however long. I mean, that's quite fast, but <laughs> you know what I mean. That was shocking when you said that. It's like, whoa, I'm so yeah. far behind then. Wow. No, no, no. <laughs> I actually have another question. I'm going to sneak in a sneaky question. Because you were talking about middle book syndrome and then you mentioned about like book series. When you start writing your series, do you know how many books you have planned? and Or do you, do you say like, I'm going to write a, book, a three book series and then you work out your plot? Or do you kind of build your plot and then figure out you you sort of chop it up and go oh right actually it's a four book series and do it that way right I mean that that has changed for me over time so when when I wrote my first series I knew it was a trilogy and I think that was just because trilogy is such a common um, structure in fantasy and I'd read a lot of trilogies and I felt comfortable with that number of books and yeah that Again, I didn't write my first series with as much intention as I have now my second and now my third. And then with my second series, I thought, oh, I'm going to try for a a little bit of a longer series. So my second series is a quartet. So I've just done one extra book. And to me, that seems like a nice sort of step up, but not not too crazy. Whereas now I'm I'm in the middle of writing my third series. So I'm I'm just about finished the, the first book in the new series, the draft of it. Originally, I thought I wanted to write a much longer series. So the reason I keep mentioning nine was because nine books was the sort of number I had in mind. And since then, through my market research of the genre, so I'm, I'm thinking I might want to lean more into romantic fantasy. Nine books for a romantic fantasy is quite quite long because you've got to stick essentially with the same couple for nine books, which is not a number I've really seen besides, you know, something like Outlander or, you know, huge, huge name authors. I think it's it's more common to have trilogies, maybe max five to six books. So it's it's really been through my research that now I've decided that, you know, maybe nine books is a little bit too much and, and I'm going to bring that down. I'm still not overly sure how many books. This is the first series I've written where I'm going into it, not 100% sure this is three books, this is four books. So it, it really depends. I think some authors have a, a gut instinct of how many books. Others, if you're not an outliner or you're not a planner, 
then you just go in and you write how how you write and it's it's more of a natural process of discovery for you so i think every everybody's different and also an author's process and and how they approach how many books in a series might change over time as mine has and that's also where that market research comes back into play you might find that your genre trilogies all the way and if if it's you know, nine times out of 10 in your genre, the author is writing a trilogy, then that's probably what you should be doing. Again, there are always outliers. There's always an exception to the rule. And again, it depends on your goal. If you want to think outside the box, if you want to challenge the genre, then that's that's your decision as well. So yeah, every everybody's different. And I think approaches to how many books in a series can change over time. And there's not necessarily a right answer to that, I guess. Thank you. That was good to know. I know, especially with the, when you mentioned the middle book syndrome, in the past there have been times when I've been thinking, oh, yeah, this is definitely going to be a trilogy or anything. But then, thankfully, I've kind of noticed that that second book has been almost like a bridge book just to get you from point A to point B, point A being mm-hmm. book one, point B being book three. And it's like, yeah. actually, it would probably be better if I just made two books because that middle one is weak. And I don't know why I got it into my head, that, especially when I was younger, that's like, oh, yeah, you, you pick the number of books and then you write them rather than the other way around. Yeah. So... <laughs> Oh, every everybody's different and everybody's process is different. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, you might you might find that later on your approach changes or flips between the two. And I, I suppose with the, if you're writing a more episodic series, you can just think, oh, I'm going to write a 12 book series because each book is its own, um, its own self-contained story in a way. And, you know, the overall series arc might be a lot looser than say a dynamic series where you know the characters are going on an epic quest from point a to point b to point c okay with that being said what are some strategies for writing a great series so that that's quite a big question and i think i would say like besides the obvious like you you obviously want great character great story great pacing um you want that for for any book let alone a book in a series so i won't go too much into that because i think that's sort of a an obvious one but in terms of series i would say you need breadcrumbs and great foreshadowing throughout the books in your series so by that I'm talking about the clues that you thread throughout the whole series so you know you might mention something in book one and sort of weave that throughout book two three four and then the reader understands it in book six but you've got to have that sort of build up that that holding of the reader's hand throughout the earlier books to then make it really satisfying to the reader when they understand what whatever it is means in the the last book or the later book. And I would also say having having a rich world to explore. And I think a lot of people, when you're talking about worlds and world building, they think you're only talking about fantasy or sci-fi. And I don't think that's that's correct. You can have a rich world in a contemporary setting, in whatever setting that you're um, you're using. I think you need a rich world in order to sustain the series and also sort of create that feeling in the reader, the familiar familiarity of the world and almost like the reader wants to return to it. So we all have certain series where the world was just so incredible that you you have you almost have like a sense of familiarity with it and you want to return to it. And I think that's really important in series because you want the reader to be looking forward to diving back into that world, whether it's contemporary, historical, fantasy, whatever, um, building 
that rich world, whether it's incredible settings, whether it's building up the senses of that of that world, having historical details that cement the reader in that time and place. So yeah, creating that rich world where by the time the reader jumps into book four, they're totally familiar and they, you know, you don't need info dumping. You don't need X, Y, Z. It's just the the reader feels at home there. So yeah, a rich world. And then I would also say a killer ending for each book. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean like a big shocking revelation at the end of every book. What I mean by that is having A, having a complete story arc within each book of the series, but at the end of each book in the series, having that hook that means the reader cannot not read that next book. They have to find out what happens. Having a hook at each, at the end of each book that leads into the next one creates that sort of addictive feeling in the reader that they want to binge that whole series. Um, So I think that those three things are really, really important in creating a a really strong series. I have a follow-up question. With the breadcrumbs and the foreshadowing, what would you do, or maybe you've accidentally written yourself into a corner before, but what would you do if you like foreshadowed something in book one that was supposed to come up in book three or two or whatever, and you forgot about it? Or maybe maybe you accidentally created a plot hole in one book and you needed to use another book to cover it up and you needed to sort of rewrite things. Like, how would you go about that? <laughs> so I suppose, firstly, it depends if the book you're talking about where you have created a plot hole or something like that, if that's published or not, because I've, I've done that basically in my first, I think in my first, yeah, it must've been my first series when I've been talking about not writing with intention with that series, I wrote the first book, then I published it. Then I wrote the second book, then I published it. And that I think is where you can come across those sort of, you know, really stressful moments in an author career where you do realize, oh no, you know, in the first book, he's on this island and he needs to be on the second island in the in the in the second book but you know it takes you know a year to travel across the seas to get there but he only has six months and then you're suddenly like well how how am I gonna fix this that book's in print it's done I can't fix it and I will say that I think no matter how well prepared you are no matter how much you outline you are always going to come across a problem like this where you've dug yourself into a hole you've backed yourself into a corner and I think with with any sort of writing job, there is always an element of problem solving, no matter how much prep work you've done. And what I've found to be the most useful in these sorts of instances, if the book's already published and you're totally backed into that corner, is talking it out with someone. So with my first series, I think I came across quite a few problems like this when I got to the third book in my series. And, you know, the first two books were already out. So I couldn't go back and change or foreshadow or do any of that um, sort of work. So basically what I did was I sat down with one of my beta readers and we just brainstormed. We brainstormed, how can you get, for example, this character from point A to point B in this amount of time when you've already said it takes a much longer amount of time? And we brainstormed different solutions. And I think having that sort of second person come in, because obviously you as the author are very close to the story and potentially by that point, you're too close, you're too stressed and it all seems a bit much. And I think having that second person come in with fresh eyes, with a different perspective can really help you come up with the solutions to solving those plot holes and and those instances where you feel backed into a corner. I don't have like a particular 
solution because I, I think it depends on each individual book and each individual problem. But I think having beta readers, having editors you trust can really help you come up with the solutions to solve your particular problem. And for example, if the book isn't published, I think what has helped me with those sorts of things in my more recent series has been sort of holding off. And I don't mean like stockpiling like 10 books before you publish. I think that has a lot of other potential risks there. But what I like to do is write the first book, send that off to my beta readers, outline the second, write the second, and just see from from maybe the first two, what things can I weave into the first book that then foreshadow certain things. I think the, the prep work that you can do before you publish that first book can really help prevent having some of those problems, if that makes sense. Uh, that was a really excellent answer. I think that's one of my biggest fears when I write my books is that I'm going to accidentally, you know, give my characters a clue to the case and then they never figure out what it means or they figure something out, out without a clue or something and it just all like carries over throughout the series and I appreciate that answer because I've never really thought about talking to beta readers or editors with stuff outside of what they're there to help you with. Like mm. once you send a book to your beta reader and they read through it once, maybe twice, and they give you their feedback, it's like, okay, great. I'm going to go over this. And then now the job's on me. It, so I like how you have that certain relationship with some of your beta readers or an editor and stuff. Yeah. Really I, cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely more my beta readers than my editor is fantastic. And she'll, if, if something, if there's an inconsistency, if there's a potential plot hole, she will point that out. But in terms of the brainstorming and the collaboration, that is definitely more with my beta readers. And I've, I've worked with two of my beta readers. I've worked with from the very beginning of my very first book, and they've stuck with me from that book into my current series. And, you know, that that's really helpful because I also set all my series are set in the same universe. And so there is also then an element of needing to maintain certain consistencies that as an author, I'm currently writing my 10th book. I don't necessarily remember what was in my first book in terms of the smaller details and my beta readers do. And I think another strategy that you can can help with potentially the more the smaller inconsistencies, the smaller plot points is having a series Bible. Um, and that's something I have like a whole chapter in, in my nonfiction book. I have a whole chapter on series Bibles because that has really helped avoid plot holes and also inconsistencies in timelines and things like that, which I imagine is also um, quite important when you're writing mysteries and crime. You need to know when certain things have happened in order to, <laughs> to make sure it all makes sense. So yeah, beta readers, having a series Bible, doing that initial prep work as well. And then that that's, I guess, the sort of three things I would have in place to combat any plot holes and and also just that I think that panic that you feel going into a series that you're you're potentially going to back yourself into a corner you're potentially going to stuff something up further down the line having those things in place helps alleviate some of that panic from from the get-go I think it's when you when you mentioned about how in your first series you wrote the book and then you published it and then you wrote the mm -hmm. second book and you published it it made me wonder because I know there are different writers do different things thinking now where you are with your writing career would you think it's always a good idea to maybe write book one, two, and maybe three before you publish anything and have them sort of ready? Is that what you would think is more preferred? 
that way you can catch those but also you've got that kind of sort of time frame where you can take a bit of time publish one and then you can be cleaning up the second one and then base them out a bit more while giving you more time to write the others or do you think maybe actually as long as book one and two are okay just get them straight out that is one of those it depends questions um i think i think it really depends like basically what we're talking about is release strategies and i think that very much depends on the individual author but mainly i think what it comes back to is ensuring that once you start releasing your books you maintain that consistency and you maintain meeting your readers expectations like i don't think there's any point in stockpiling your three books to then rapidly release those three books but then your next book doesn't come out for a year I think that's really shooting yourself in the foot so yeah it it really depends my personal preferred method having now done my two my two series and now working on the third I do prefer having the first book done and having a decent amount done on the second before releasing and that, that is just my personal preferred method. That is so I can, if I'm coming up with ideas for the, the third, the fourth book in the series, that I do have that flexibility to come back and weave in whatever I need to weave into that first and second book. But in saying that, like it's, it's totally dependent on A, what the author is comfortable with, what they're capable of in terms of how fast they can write, how fast they can release, and also what they've built up with their existing, read- existing readership and their expectations of how quickly they're releasing. Um, Because the last thing you want to do as an author is rapid release three books and then disappoint your readers by not having a book out for a year. And also that that has other impacts in terms of like algorithms and all sorts of things. So yeah, I mean, that that could be a whole podcast in itself, I think. We may have to get you on for that one then too. I was going to say, there's a lot to think about when it comes to being a writer. Why did we start this in the first place? My goodness. I have that conversation very often with several of my author friends. Like, why did we pick this job? It's not the easiest. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, you're right. It's not the easiest at all. No. So with that said, uh, what lessons have you learned while writing your different series? So the first one is always keep a series Bible. I definitely wish I had have done that with my first series. And I think I think a lot of people assume you only need a series Bible if you're writing something like huge, like fantasy or sci-fi, where you've got to keep track of, you know, potentially magic systems, different kingdoms and all that sort of stuff. But I would say if you're writing a series, any series, whether it's fantasy, sci-fi, historical, crime, etc., that a series Bible, what that does is it's, it essentially just prevents major headaches further down the road. You don't want to be five books in and have to read five books from start to finish to find out someone's eye colour, to find out someone's pet phrase that they say throughout the books. So yeah, definitely I would suggest if you're if you're thinking of writing a series and you you want that to be a, a long-term thing, I would I would start a series Bible. I think also people think that starting a series Bible is this huge task. Um, and I can understand why they think that because, for example, my series Bible for Curse of the Siren Queen, which is my second series, that Bible is 65 pages long, but it didn't start that way. It started as a blank document that I just had alongside. I have two screens and on one screen I have my manuscripts that I'm writing. And then on the other screen, I have a couple tabs open. And one of those tabs is the series Bible. And basically as I'm writing, 
I make a I make a decision, say, about someone's someone's hair colour, and I'll just pop into the series Bible and say, you know, Helen blonde, and that's that's it. And it's just as I write, and it's a working living document that as you write, you build upon. So that has definitely helped me and has definitely saved a lot of headaches in my second series. And I wish I had have done it for my first series. And I also wish I had have done it for my first series because there is a potential idea at the back of my head that at one point, potentially years in the future, I might bring all my series together in, you know, an ultimate series sort of thing. And so I have my series Bible for Curse of the Siren Queen. I've already got a series Bible in the works for my next series. But for the Oromir Chronicles, I've got nothing. And so that would mean either I have to go back and read the trilogy plus the prequel collection and create a series Bible, which that is a huge amount of work, or I'd have to hire someone to do that for me. So yeah, I can't stress enough series Bible there. I, I think they they really help us further down the road. Another one that we've already sort of touched on is having a consistent release schedule with the books in your series. And by that, I don't mean you have to publish a book a month or publish how there's no sort of rule to how often you should publish. But I think once you do publish, then you should publish consistently. And again, that is to meet reader expectations. It is to sort of tickle the algorithms in the way that you want and also meeting genre expectations as well. Again, the last thing you want to do is to disappoint anybody or to piss anybody off. And I think also having that consistent release schedule, whether it's one book a year, whether it's one book a quarter, however often you want to do it, it is building that trust in the reader and it's showing them, you know, you can invest in me as an author. You can you can trust me. I am going to finish this story and I am going to finish it in a way that, you know, you expect in terms of a timely fashion, I guess. So, yeah. And then I think the, the final one would be, and then we've already touched on this as well when we were talking about middle book syndrome and stuff, is just that each book within a series still needs to have its own complete arc as well as fit into the overall series arc so yeah those are those are a couple I have to admit I'm definitely with you with the whole consistent releasing there was an author I used to I I got loads of, of his books and then he wrote a trilogy a new trilogy and it was brilliant well the first two books were we still haven't had the third one and it's been about 12 years and I won't touch <laughs> I, any I more potentially know, I potentially know who you're talking about <laughs> yeah and every now and then because you just you know you just like check I'll just check because it just needs that final the end of what's happening and you'll yeah. go on and you'll check and it's like no and then they'll be like oh it's coming out in this year and then no and I I can't touch any other of his books because I feel so angry that he just yeah, been burned yes yeah. I mean, obviously, if, if there was a kind of like, you know, if something had happened, but it just seemed to stop. And then there was all these messages going, oh, yeah, it's coming back. And yeah, there's definitely. And then it's just, as I said, it's, it's probably been longer than than like 13 years now. But it's just like, and, and I still I still have a couple of books of his and I still don't mind reading them because I, I, I'm i a rereader. I love rereading yeah, books. Me too. But yeah, I, I, anything new of his, it's like, no, not until you bring out that book. That yeah. You should have brought out decades A decade ago. ago. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> I think I think yeah that's that and that is exactly what I'm talking about I guess I suppose just as a as a side note to that obviously life does happen and you you can't you can't predict if you're you're going to go through a tough time or you know you need to focus on something else for for mental health or whatever the reason I think the important thing there is to just be open with your readers about what's going on. With the Oromir Chronicles, for instance, I luckily I, I didn't have anything horrible happen, but those books did come out 
a year apart. It was very much based on a more traditional publishing model. So it was only one book a year, which when you are an indie author, I think there is this expectation that you are releasing faster than that. But how I sort of combated that pressure was with my newsletter. And I sent out a monthly newsletter and somewhere in that newsletter, it said where I was up to. And just sort of, I guess, managing that reader expectation and being honest about how far away the release might be, what sort of challenges you're facing. So, yeah, I think I think that, that, that there is this pressure, pressure for authors to release, release, release. But we also have to understand that, you know, life does happen. And, you know, we, we can't always release when we say we, we're going to release or when we want to release. There are these barriers that, that pop up along the way. And just one way of managing reader expectations, lessening that feeling in the readers where they feel like they have been burned is to talk to them and to have that sort of open communication about what to expect, when to expect it and why. I agree. And I think readers especially are quite forgiving of, mm-hmm. of that. As like you said, if, if you if you say something, if it's in a newsletter or on a Facebook post mm-hmm. or even in the back of, of one of the books, like, you know, if there's going to be a delay, I think most readers will be OK to wait, because especially if they connect with the book and the author and they want to go on that journey. As you said, like the original, especially with traditional publishing, was one book a year, maybe even mm-hmm. a book a year and a half. So yeah. we got used to buying a book instantly, reading it within a day and then having to wait. So we are quite patient. So but yeah. Yeah, I think definitely being open and and clear with your readers. I think most people would be quite understanding, especially with newsletters where authors usually open up a little bit more about themselves and you feel like you have got a bit more of a connection with them. I actually have nothing to say to that. I think you guys just covered everything. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I concur. No, that was great. I mean, you, I think you, we threw a few extra questions at you. You you know, that was brilliant. Oh, good. Helen, it has been absolutely great having you on the show. We have learned so much, especially because Rachel and I both are series writers. So we're taking all this in. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Sure. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me. I I love talking to other writers and just talking shit about writing and publishing. It's one of my favorites. Um, it's also a really nice way for me to to start my day. So yeah, firstly, thank you for, for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. As for sharing some stuff about myself, I guess some fun facts. I'm Australian, as, as you might have noticed but I live in New Zealand and sort of my hobbies outside of writing. It's a weird conversation I've been having with a couple of people lately because writing for me started out as a hobby. It started out as something that I did around my, around school, around uni, around jobs that I had, and then it's become my career. And in sort of doing that, I've, I've kind of lost sight of hobbies and, and what hobbies are. And so I, I write all day. And then at the end of the day, when normal people do their hobbies, I go, I, I don't really know what to what to do with myself. But I do love exploring New Zealand. Um, my partner and I, we, we go on really beautiful walks. It, it's such a beautiful country here. And we, we do enjoy wine quite regularly. So that's a, that's a big interest of ours, where we live in one of the most beautiful wine regions of New Zealand. So that's definitely become a hobby of ours. Um, And in terms of my work, I've got two fantasy series currently out. Uh, The first one is The Oromir Chronicles and the second one is Curse of the Siren Queen and the final instalment of that is due out this November. And yeah, I'm I'm currently working on a new series. So actually, once I get off the phone with you guys today, I hope to wrap up the first draft of the series starter that that I'm currently working on. So I think it's going to be going to be a big day. But yeah, and also I guess 
what we've really been talking about is how to write series and preparing for series. On the 11th of August this year, I'll be releasing my debut non-fiction book, which is called How to Write a Successful Series. Um, so that's on the horizon as well. And I'm currently offering a successful series bundle, which is just like a, a free download that you can get where you get a cheat sheet on how to do some of the market research that we've discussed and coming up with comp titles and things like that. I'm also offering my complete series Bible for Curse of the Siren Queen, which is that 65-page mega document we talked about. And that's just so people can have a look at how I lay things out and what you can potentially do and, and include in your own series Bible. So yeah, you can get that at, just on my website, which is helenshoira.com forward slash for authors. And I'm on all the, the usual social media. So I'm just Helen Schroer on Instagram and I think Helen Schroer author on Facebook. So yeah, that's that's a little bit about me and, and what I'm doing and what I'm working on at the moment. That is brilliant. And obviously, as always, we will put all the links down in the description on all the many different platforms. Helen, thank you so much again. It has been absolutely lovely having you on the podcast. Now we'll turn it over to you guys. Are you writing a series and how do you go about planning it? We'd love to chat about it. So do put your answers in the comments below. If you want more of the Merry Writer podcast, then be sure to follow us on Podbean, YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for as little as $1 a month, you can join us at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Merry Writer podcast for bonus content. It helps to keep our show going, so we really do appreciate the support. In the meantime, tune in every Wednesday for a new episode of the Mary Writer Podcast, where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Writer's Block. We hate our brains. The music, titled Inspired, is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.